The following program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. You may have noticed that one Whole Foods Market store is not like the other. We're proud that each of our stores has its own quirks, a direct connection to the surrounding community, and buys and sells their own products. Whether it's artisanal chocolates exclusive to Bowery, small batch pickles in Chelsea, or a featured craft beer on tap at West 97th, you'll find that each store is a little bit different than the next. With six Manhattan locations, Whole Foods Market offers a taste of every neighborhood. Come see us in Tribeca, Bowery, Union Square, Chelsea, Columbus Circle, or the Upper West Side. Open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. For more information, visit www.wholefoodsmarket.com. We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We are Groundworks, Inc. I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And I'm Carmen DeVito. And we design, install, and maintain gardens in and around New York City. Heritage Radio Network broadcasts from two shipping containers in Bushwick, Brooklyn, located next to Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street. We Dig Plants is produced and engineered by Jack Inslee. Yay, Jack. Um, our sponsor today is Whole Foods. And in gearing up for spring, you know, we have to eat a little lighter, no more mac and cheese dinners, Aww. we have to move on to salads <laughs> and lighter food. Not a pig fest like yeah. all winter. <laughs> Better for you food, energy food um, for spring activities and bathing suit wearing. Oh God, I don't want to think about that right And now. we've got to be able to bend over and get <laughs> into small tight spaces for debris, cleanup and pruning, etc. Doesn't our job sound sexy? <laughs> So salad, right? We're talking about salad, and that I'll seems, just have a salad, and that seems pretty <laughs> dull. So, how do you make your salad a little more zippy and fun to eat? Let's kick it up a notch to borrow. Bam! A, <laughs> to borrow a horrible <laughs> phrase, and let's talk about edible flowers. Yeah, they taste great, <clears throat> and they're fun and cheery, and they make you look like a superstar when you're serving flowers in your food to your friends. So we thought today we would um, talk a little bit about how to identify flowers, um, how to prepare them, and how to use them in your cooking. Yeah, so when you're grazing in your front yard, you know, you'll know what you're doing <laughs> and not poison yourself and your family if exactly. your neighbors see you out there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so how do we bring the beauty of your garden to your plate? Um, today we're going to talk about edible flowers and we dig plants. So I just took a baking um, and decorating class at the Institute for Culinary Education, ICE, and I really wanted to learn how to decorate cakes and cupcakes into those gorgeous little treasures. And I was really, really, really happy when the instructor brought out, among all the other decorating materials, edible flowers. And it brought me back to my wedding. And I was describing to the caterer that I wanted edible flowers 
in the salads and in the food as a garden designer, you know, Carmen yeah. always trying to get flowers into our life. And so she just sprinkled these flowers all around the table and kind of missed the point in of, the salad of the in edible the flowers. Hence the word edible flowers. Not Maybe just she meant flowers. edible, you know, <laughs> <laughs> edible flowers. Anyway, so so then it, it, it got me thinking, like, how does somebody know what flowers to use? I mean, every you know, you, you want to do this, but but how do you know which ones are safe, are safe yeah. and, and what to do? So um, it's actually an old practice um, that it, it was um, utilized in Roman um, times. And, the, of course, the Indians and the Chinese have often used flowers. And, you know, it, it kind of originates from the um, herbalists um, of medieval times. Um, and then it became very, very popular in, in Victorian times. So... Before we get started with this, though, I, we should talk about um, safety. Like safety, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and you know this this show today is going to be based on research from a publication um, entitled "What's Cooking America," and of course, flowers and and the edibleness of the flowers will vary from person to person, and what is generally deemed okay for one could affect somebody else horribly so you really have to use your discretion and the main thing is you you want to use things off of this list and you want to make sure number one is that these the flowers that you're serving have no pesticides that's the number one yeah thing that they're they're grown for edible uses Right. Um, if you're not growing them yourself, you don't want to get flowers from a florist. Those are the most heavily sprayed with pesticides and fungicides exactly. of any crop. Exactly. And so. there, there are stores um, in the kind of culinary world that specialize um, in in edible flowers a- as decoration. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, grow them yourself. Yeah. Even if you're buying them from a farmer that says they're organic, you want to make sure that you're going to wash them off. Yeah. Um, really you, treat them like any other thing you're going to eat. Yeah, like any fruit or vegetable. And you want to introduce them slowly into your diet. Too much of a good thing, you know, of course you go crazy on the pansies. Um, ha! <laughs> you want to you wanna introduce them slowly because it could cause some digestive problems which yeah. would be pretty uncomfortable um and the first thing you want to do is remove the pistils and the stamens from the flowers before you eat them um you want to separate the flower petals from the rest of the flower just prior to use mm-hmm. um and this will avoid the wilt so the kind of aesthetic value of the flower um and then you want to also remove the pollen yeah you pollen, don't want to eat that no and pollen <coughs> could cause allergies you want to um only really eat the petals of the flowers um, with the exception of pansies, violas, and Johnny Jump Ups which actually have their own unique taste um, as do nasturtiums. I love nasturtiums. They're yeah. actually very peppery very, and very, fresh. Very good tasting. Kind of crunchy. It's one of the most common, I think, of the edible flowers used in salads. Right, right. right. And that's kind of where, that's kind of the jumping <coughs> off point. But but there are thousands of flowers that you can use, and we're going to go over some of them um, a little bit later. Um, in the 14th century, peony roots were deemed a food fit exclusively for kings, and carnations and dianthus were important 
um, so important that actually an entire book was written in the 14th century about them. So this is a very old um, yeah, and, and culinary this, And habit. also medicinal. Yeah. I mean, I know for, for a fact that the peony roots were are used by the Chinese as medicine, you know, because, exactly. because I've, um, when I was having some health issues, um, my acupuncturist, who was also an herbalist, had included, um, had put together this quite atrocious tasting um, beverage, uh, of <laughs> yeah. this dried clump yeah. of herbs. And when I asked her what it was, I was very interested in knowing what the plants were. Sure. You know, she, she wrote down what all the things were. And one of the key ingredients and what made the bulk of the specimen was dried peony roots, which have a high medicinal value as well. Exactly. Um, the herbalist Gerard suggested in 1597 that oregano is very good against the wombling of the <laughs> stomachi. <laughs> Daisies steeped in wine with with sage and southern wood were considered a cure for insanity if the patient drank this mixture for 15 days. Mm, I'm going to have to try Or that. they were just drunk. <laughs> In medieval times, a bath of um, thyme was thought to cure hangovers and restore bravery and vigor to exhausted soldiers. Mm. So do that when your Afghanistan husband comes home. <laughs> now I want to say I have a little bit of family history with eating flowers. Um... And specifically stuffed squash blossoms. Yeah. Um, my mother is an amazing cook, and I've mentioned her and her cooking many times on the show. And one of her specialties that she often is um, in- introduces people to is stuffed squash blossoms or stuffed uh, or squash blossoms prepared in a lot of d- different ways. And one of my favorite ways um, is to make it into a saute of them. They're really delicious. Uh-huh. And it's a very, uh, squash blossoms are actually quite large, the ones that she uses. And it's a very involved process. And it's a very good example of a seasonal food uh-huh. because they're only available in the summertime when the squash vines are in, are in bloom, obviously. And of course, you are compromising your squashes of every blossom that you take that isn't pollinated you know you lose a squash but they are so delicious and have such a unique taste that it's worth you know losing the zucchini or the squash or whatever she was growing and the flowers themselves are huge and the stems are hairy yeah and my mother actually sautés them with the young shoots and leaves when they're very very young and you have to it's a very involved process and so we only eat it you know a few times during the year but it's kind of like a rite of passage for summer when you have the squash blossom so she sautés them with garlic and cheese or she makes this amazing she she stuffs them kind of like how people do jalapeno peppers you know right so she fills them with cheese and ricotta and spices then breads them and deep fries them Uh uh-huh and it's one of the most delicious things. And you don't really feel like you're eating No, because they're flour. so light. They're so light. Yeah, yeah. They're a really, that's one of the easiest and probably safest of the flowers to eat and easiest to grow. And, and you get a, a lot of right. flowers on one vine that you can use. Right. Now, not every flower is edible. Yeah. Um, and, of course, sampling flowers randomly can make you very, very sick. Yeah. So please know what you're eating before you're ingesting <laughs> and remember that yeah. horrible scene from what was the movie uh, into the wild into the wild oh, where that God. poor guy in that alaska was, oh, that was dies a- from ingestion of the wrong plant yeah he got they were very similar plants yeah and, and he, he was a little delirious and uh 
anyway, see the see the movie. It's amazing. But there's also this great book called Edible Flowers from Garden to Palette by Kathy Wilkinson Barish, if you want some more information. But generally, here are some tips um, to help you choose the right flowers and to serve them in the right way. You want to pick them early in the morning on the day that they're to be served when the water content is at its highest. You want to clean them. Make sure you shake each flower to dislodge any insects that may be hidden in the petal folds. You want to wash them in a strainer and drain them. Allow them to dry as you would salad greens on um, absorbent paper. Keep them out of direct sunlight um, because you want them to retain their color and their scent. They can be they can be preserved and saved for a few days by keeping them on moist paper and storing them in a sealed container or plastic wrap. Um, if the flowers do become limp, they can be revived by floating them in ice water for a few moments, not too long, or they will lose some of their flavor. Yeah, they're a very ephemeral thing is what we're saying. It's yeah. not the kind of thing that you can... Manhandle. You, manhandle. They're, you know, it's just, not meat. <laughs> no, no. And it's, uh, it's to be used sparingly. Yeah. You know? But it really adds a really elegant touch, you know, to a dinner party or to a plate or, or to your digestive system even. It's an it's a, it's a interesting way of getting some uh, micro, macro greens into you. Um, they can also be candied. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, and the way you do that is you, um, you make an egg egg white wash literally you paint this egg white wash over the flowers and then sprinkle them with some super fine granulated sugar and then you just let them dry on a wire rack or on wax paper um, at room temperature and this could take depending upon the flower anywhere from 12 to 36 hours and they're completely dry when they are stiff and brittle to the touch you really want to give them time to um let that water evaporate out and it's so much more beautiful and tasty than those fake piped you know bad oh i like those (laughs) buttercream flowers too (laughs) but it is really beautiful to to have a real purple pansy on on your cupcake i know it's so i remember when i was planning my wedding many many years ago and i asked the florist i wanted fresh flowers you know yeah right same kind of situation i wanted fresh flowers incorporated into the wedding cake you sure. Know? Uh-huh. So, again, the florist interpreted it in a way that was and not at all what I had in mind. She had these orchid blossoms, which were from you know, <laughs> and you I got married know. in November. Yeah, and, orchid and I, was, I was like, ah, <laughs> uh, and like the most ugly, like, and I was like, no, you don't understand at all what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, you know. Yeah. So people have an idea, you know, the more exotic. Sometimes they think, oh, it's got to be exotic or big. and there was Tropical. No, yeah, people think <laughs> tropical. But this simple little violet, you know, yeah. or a pansy, sugared like that, is all you need, you know, in terms yeah. of decoration and, and sweetness. And one thing I like to do um, for the kind of spring and summer months, and this really, like, kicks off your spring, is ice cubes, flower ice cubes. That's awesome. You can um, rinse your flowers and, and put them aside. Um, and make sure they're nice and dry. Meanwhile, you want to boil some water to use for the ice cubes. Um, The reason you boil it is because it gives you a really crystal clean cube. Um, You want to place each blossom in each ice cube compartment, so like one or two per compartment, depending on what flower you're using. And then you want to fill each compartment with this boiled water only halfway full and freeze it. 
after they're solid frozen, these half cubes, then you want to fill each compartment the rest of the way with the remaining boiled water and then freeze it till it's ready to use. And then you can have these, you know, for for weeks. That'd be so nice to put in like lemonade or like a cocktail. Spritzer. Yeah. Yeah, To infuse. It's a delicate way to infuse. I could see like um, something like a mint lavender or mint flowers because the flowers have the fragrance too, Uh you know. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and before we get into individual flowers, there's one last really fun recipe, which was flower butter. Mm, that sounds great. Because, you know, anything mixed with butter is even better. It's butter. <laughs> it's butter. <laughs> so um, for this recipe, you're going to take a half to one cup chop, uh, cup of chopped or dried petals to one pound of sweet unsalted butter. You want to make sure the butter is at room temperature. And you're going to mix the petals into the warm room temperature butter and keep it at room temperature overnight so that the flavors really fuse into one another. And then you can, you know, make this into a form um, or put it into a ramekin or something and chill this um, so that it's nice and cool when you serve it. Um, And this can last for several months. You can even freeze it. So it's a really sweet way of of getting some color onto your, you know, bread yeah, or... that'd be really nice for Easter, actually. Exactly. You know, exactly. something sweet to put on your bread. So, um, of course, there's, you know, other things to do. You can make infused syrup. You can make tea, you know, float flowers in your cocktails. We'll put some of these tips and recipes on our Facebook fan page. But right now, we have to take a break. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Stay tuned. service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Join Linda Palaccio for a taste of the past every Thursday at 12 p.m. as she indulges her curiosities about food, cooking, drinking, and dining of the past by taking a journey through culinary history. Linda interviews authors, scholars, friends, and chroniclers to learn about what was eaten, where, and how, from as long ago as ancient Mesopotamia and Rome, right up to the grazing tables and deli counters of today. The show underscores food as a lively link between present and past cultures. Again, that's Thursday at 12 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. Hi, well, welcome back to We Dig Plants. 
Um, we were talking about that was some whirly swirly. Oh, I music. know. I was gonna say, <laughs> wow. I think uh, that's good you, for good for flowers. Up, yeah. Flowers in your plant. Dancing. Flowers in your food. Flowers in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> that so happens all the flowers time. Flowers in my pants. Usually, I have mulch in my bra, but not flowers <laughs> in my pants. That's one of the hazards of gardening and um, being female is you do get mulch in places that shouldn't go. Anyway, um, talking about <laughs> edible flowers. Um, Let's go over some very specific ones that we find interesting and that you might want to try. Um, one that I think is really interesting is calendula. Yes, marigold. Uh, that's right, calendula officinalis. And officinalis tells us that it was used in medicines. It was also a medicinal plant. Um, it's a wonderful edible flowers. And um, the flavors kind of range from spicy to bitter to tangy and peppery and their sharp taste kind of resembles saffron in fact it's um and it's also known as poor man's saffron and it has pretty petals like of kind of golden orange hues and you can sprinkle them on soups or on pasta or rice dishes it's really great for the herb butters that alice was talking about in the first part of the show and also really nice in salads and you can also use the petals for a little bit of yellow color to tint soups and spreads and scrambled eggs so it's a it's a nice addition i know like can you imagine waking up you know making your morning eggs and having orange petals on top or mixed in with your eggs how gorgeous is that to start the day with it makes it a much it's a special it's just a little nice touch um, and then you can also use carnations, um, yeah. also known as dianthus. Um, they can be steeped in wine. They can be used for candy and used as cake decorations. It's not just a funeral flower. No. <laughs> the carnation. Yeah, we had talked about that. <laughs> you can um, use them um, for desserts. You can... Um, yeah, they're fragrant. They're very, very fragrant flowers as well. Yeah, and they kind of have a light clove-like or a nutmeg scent. Mm-hmm. And they also add color to um, salads and to aspects, aspects, drinks. Now, one that I think is really interesting, Alice, is its common name is Dame's Rocket, which I already love. And I know that's going to... if I. If I do like uh, an iTunes search, I bet there's a band called Dame's Rocket. I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Its botanical name is Hesperus matronalis, which uh, the little bit of Latin that I know leads me to think matrimony, something to do with maybe marriage or some kind of aspect. Anyway, um, it's also called Sweet Rocket or Dame's Violet. Um, This plant is often mistaken for phlox, but phlox has five petals and Dame's Rocket has just four. Now, the flowers, as I said, which resemble phlox, are deep lavender and sometimes pink to white. And the plant is part of the mustard family, which is a great family of edible plants. And it includes radishes and broccoli and cabbage and cauliflower and, of course, mustard. And the plant and flowers are edible, but they're fairly bitter, which I kind of like. I like a bitter taste sometimes to sort of offset rich things like pork or other meats, you know. And the flowers are attractive added to green salads. And the young leaves can also be added to your salad greens. Um, But, you know, for culinary purposes, the leaves should be picked before the plant flowers. The seed can also be sprouted and added to salads. Um, Now, it is not the same variety as the herb commonly called rocket, which is used as a green in salads. It's a totally different plant. Right. Right. And chrysanthemums. Um, yes. You can use chrysanthemums. They're tangy. They're slightly bitter. They range in color from red to white to yellow and orange. Uh, they range in taste from a faint peppery to a mild cauliflower. 
they should be blanched first and then scatter the the petals onto the salad. Um, The leaves can also be used to flavor vinegar. And remember to remove the bitter flower base and use the petals only. Young leaves and stems of the chrysanthemum, also known as chop suey greens, Mm. um, are widely used in oriental stir fry and as a salad seasoning. Yeah, the Japanese are really and the Chinese yeah. are really into eating a much bigger well, variety of greens than they're, we they're are. They're much more brave, and yeah. they don't have as much pasteurized food yes. <laughs> as we do. Yeah. So another one that I love, just because it's it's the quintessential summer kind of driving down the highway, getting out of town flower for me is the corn flower. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, it's also called Bachelor's Buttons, and they have a slightly sweet to spicy kind of clove-like flavor. And the bloom is also a natural food dye. And it's this plant is actually more used as garnish, but it adds a really beautiful kind of blue hue. Yeah, and as we talked about in other shows, blue is kind of special and rarer. True yeah, blue it's hard in, in the garden. You right. Know? And those are really actually easy to grow. The ones that we were talking about, the calendula, the carnations, this cornflower, very easy to grow on your own from seed. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, too, that, that you really do need to, I just want to emphasize again, you really do need to know which part of the flower you're going to use because only the petals of some flowers such as roses or the calendulas, the tulips, chrysanthemums, yucca, and the lavender is edible. Um, And other parts of the plant are are not edible. So you have to be very careful. Yeah. So when using um, just the petals, separate them from the rest of the flower just prior to use to to make sure that, that you're getting the right part. Um, But other flowers, Johnny Jump Ups, Violets, Runner Beans, Honeysuckle, and Clover can be eaten in their entirety. And let's talk for a second about lavender because that's that's a really super popular one. And you can eat those flowers. um, And in fact, a lot of people do. And there's a lot, you know, lavender butter is really, really popular. And ice cream. Have you ever had lavender, lavender ice cream? Is amazing. Yeah, and, and it's um, it's a very versatile um, herb and edible. Um, it's, uh, they make, you know, it, it's great in drinks. You can float the lavender uh, flowers in, in like a white wine. It's just a lovely, lovely plant and violets um these are kind of sweet they've got a nice perfumed flavor um the johnny jump ups and the violets and are in the same and pansies are in the same family and they're so colorful they are purples and yellows and apricots pastel hues and it's really nice to eat the leaves as well as the flower um, and you can use them to embellish desserts and iced drinks. You can freeze them in bunches. Um, and uh, they make gorgeous adornments for frosted cakes, sorbets, and any other desserts. Now, we can't talk about um, edible flowers without talking about roses. Yeah. Right? Of course, Alice. Yeah. And the kind that we're talking about is Rosa rugosa or Rosa gallica officinalis, these species roses. Right. Um, And the flavors of the petals depend on the type, the color, the soil conditions. But the flavors reminiscent of strawberries and green apples, which is very interesting because, of course, the apple is in the rose family. Uh Uh-huh. Right? 
So they're sweet. Sometimes they have like subtle undertones like a fruit or mint or spice. Um, roses are edible and, you know, with the flat, sort of the flavor being more pronounced in the darker varieties. In miniature varieties, you can use to garnish ice creams and desserts, or the larger petals can be sprinkled on desserts or salads. You can also, as Alice has suggested, freeze them in ice cubes and float them in punches. Their petals are used in syrups, jellies, perfume butters, and in sweet spreads. But remember to remove the bitter white portion of the petals and just use, you know, the colored part of it. Yeah. Um, another really super cool one is fuchsias because they're so kind of architectural in their shape. Um, yeah. They're very, very dynamic. Um, the blooms have a slightly acidic flavor and you really get crazy explosive colors and shapes. Um, so it's, it's an ideal garnish. And the berries are also edible of the fuchsia. Um, you can also do fruit flowers. Yeah. You have to be careful though, because there are some, um, cyanide precursors in some of the fruit flowers, apple blossoms in particular. Um, they are beautiful. They have a very delicate floral flavor and aroma, and they're very nice accompaniment to fruit dishes and they can be easily candied. But again, eat them in moderation because some of these flowers contain cyanide precursors. Well, let's talk about citrus blossoms, Alice. Yeah, um, speaking of, yeah. T- earlier today, I was in a greenhouse that had, I'm not exaggerating when I say, now this was a small lemon shrub in, uh-huh. in like a 12-inch wide pot, you uh-huh. know? It had probably... 100 to 200 blossoms on it. Wow. That so must have like knocked your socks they, off. <laughs> they were just starting to open, uh-huh. but that, you know, I think if, I think most people like the smell and taste of citrus. Sure. I think it's a, a pretty popular kind of, you know, essence. But you can also use um, a little bit it, with moderation of, of the waxy petals of, uh-huh. of the flower, not just from the fruit. Um, distilled orange flower you know, is is very often used in Middle Eastern pastries uh-huh. and in beverages. And it's, of course, very lemony and it's it adds a really great um, essence. So you can use those orange, if, if you have a, a fruit tree, an orange or a lemon or a lime or grapefruit or kumquat flower. You uh-huh. just need a little, little bit. It goes because a long it, way. Yeah, because yeah. it's so, um, and they're beautiful to look at too. They have... They have structure. They're they're waxy and 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 interesting looking, uh-huh. you know, as a flower. I actually got a great lemonade um, at an Indian, <clears throat> like a little Indian cafe on the Lower East Side, and and I ordered the lemonade, thinking, yeah, yeah, it's just going to be kind of a standard lemonade. But they had orange blossom. Um, it wasn't it wasn't a liqueur, but it was just a, a flavored water, mm-hmm. and they added this to the lemonade, and it was unbelievable yeah you can add more than just mint to lemonade yeah (laughs) there's a lot of different things well we were talking about kind of sweeter kinds of things but let's remember that you know most people grow herbs that's one of the easiest things to grow in pots and in urban situations and of course um you can you you know in herbs you mostly think of the leaf part Uh as being edible but you Uh can also use the flowers Uh uh-huh for example, in the alliums, the leeks, the chives, garlic, um, they're the flowering onions. And the fennel. Yeah. You can use the, the umbel flower head. Mm-hmm. And they're really delicious. And it's also a way to, to <laughs> uh, 
alliums tend to be very aggressive and invasive in the garden. So if you chop off the flower heads... It's not going to go to seed. And you can eat them. <laughs> and they're really... They taste like the allium. They taste like the chive. Uh-huh. But they add a beautiful color and texture yeah. to a salad. Yeah, that light purple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just back to the fennel for a second. Yeah. Um, it really um, colors... It, it can color the... The, li- the, the liquid, liquid or, the water. or whatever you're using into this beautiful kind of yellowy orange color, which is really, really can be very dynamic. Um, and fennel is very aggressive too and goes to seed like crazy. Yeah. So chop off those blossoms and use them. Yeah. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we are out of time. And I think Carmen and I want to keep talking about flowers. Now we just need to go eat some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. You can listen to um, podcasts of this show via iTunes or, as always, on the website archive, heritageradionetwork.com. Check us out on Facebook, Groundworks Inc., We Dig Plants, and on Twitter, We Dig Plants. Happy gardening. See you in the garden. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. following is a message from Heritage Foods USA. In the next few weeks, Heritage Foods USA will be offering an interesting variety of amazing products, ranging from top quality seafood to their famous pork cuts. At the end of May, the Heritage team will go up to Maine to harvest fresh lobster with sustainable lobstermen. These delicious lobster are a perfect way to kick off the summer season. In the pork department, Heritage Foods USA will offer the maple-cured smoked boneless Heritage ham at an unbeatable price. This offer won't last long, so get them while you can. Place your order today at heritagefoodsusa.com or call 718-389-0985. That's 718-389-0985 to place your order with Andrea or Ashley. Don't forget to sign up for the email list and to check them on Facebook and Twitter to get in on their new products, deals, and offers from Heritage Foods USA. This is Katie Kiefer with behind-the-scenes food news for the week of May 11th. One of the most exciting things that I found in my trolling of trade blogs this week was uh, the announcement of a new initiative called AGRE, that's capital A-G, small R-E-E, so it's sort of agriculture and green, I suppose, is the the idea behind that. And the co-chairs include Dan Glickman, who is a former secretary of the USDA under Clinton, Gary Hirschberg, who is the president and CEO of Stonyfield Farm. Jim Mosley, who is a former deputy secretary at the USDA under George Bush. And Emmy Simmons, a former assistant administrator for economic growth, agriculture and trade at the U.S. Agency for International Development. So this is kind of a mixed bag of political viewpoints here, which is what made me really uh, sit up and take notice. It's funded by all the usual suspects like the Gates Foundation, the Ford Foundation, etc., 
But um, leading off in their uh, first meeting, Glickman stressed the importance of involving all stakeholders and seeking common ground in addressing the need to feed a growing global population and doing so in ways that are environmentally, economically and socially sustainable. And the eight foundations that are backing agree, he notes, agreed to set aside their political differences, as did the individual co-chairs, to develop research-based long-term solutions and strategies. I think this is a gigantic step in the right direction. I'm hoping that these guys will have a huge impact on the Farm Bill, which will be uh, coming up again in 2012. Um, so let's uh, keep an eye on agree. If you want to read more about them and what they're doing and their news, they do have a website. It's www foodandagpolicy.org This has been Katie Kiefer with Behind the Scene Food News. Did you know we have a beer show? Check out a small clip from Beer Sessions Radio. Alright, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and I'm here with Ray Dieter from the DBA Bars. Hey Jim. Ray, this is a fun show. We're drinking Belgian beer. We're drinking Ictagum. Hanging out with the guys from 124 Rabbit Club. We got uh, Don and Wendy from Van Berg and the Wolf. Well, let's go back a little bit to, to kind of build your pedigree. So the two of, the, two of your top brands that we love and that you have now, Scaldis and Saison DuPont. Yeah, Tell us uh, how you met those guys, how you started working with them. Well, Saison DuPont was really... that. Was if you want to hear more, head over to HeritageRadioNetwork.com where new episodes of Beer Sessions are posted every week in our archive. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes.